Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Green Magic, Green Medicine with your host, Susan Weed. Tonight, our topic is going to be about herbal antibiotics. Oftentimes in the medical world, you are told that you cannot kill an infection until you go to the hospital and get an antibiotic. I'd like to clear for the record, I'm not anti-hospital and I'm not anti-modern medicine. All I am saying is that there are things in the natural world that can and will help you kill negative bacteria. In fact, there are quite a few. Join us in our circle. We will return with your host, Miss Susan Weed, in just a moment, right here on the Main Street Universe. Forbidden archaeology, forgotten history, divination, magic, cryptozoology, UFOs, nature, science, and spirit. All this and more right here on the Main Street Universe Radio Network. She's there in the queue. I turned my head away for a moment, 
and I see she's there tonight. Our topic is herbal antibiotics, part two of a little series we're doing. I'm turning her mic on. Welcome, Susan Weed. Thank you. How are you tonight? Doing very well. Working on some things and getting some weeds going and trying to make magic happen, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, allowing magic to happen. It's more like it, right? Yes, trying sounds horrible, doesn't it? I shouldn't have said it that Mm. way. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, indeed, the fascinating topic of herbal antibiotics. Um, Let me kind of set the stage for this topic by um, saying the honeymoon is over. The honeymoon with drug antibiotics is over because bacteria have learned how to be resistant. And... I also kind of mentioned in passing, and it's worth mentioning again, that this is causing some people to turn to essential oils. Essential oils are kind of being put forward as natural antibiotics. And I think that this is very far from the truth. I don't think they're natural. I think they're hard on the environment. I know they're hard on ourselves. As a matter of fact, in my blog talk show tonight, there was a woman who didn't want to take antibiotics. And... Because she wanted to get pregnant sometime in the near future. <clears throat> and I said that I thought that um, she was probably harming herself more um, with the essential oil in her toothpaste and her shampoo and her um, skin care than she would be by taking antibiotics. So we are in this multi-part series going to look deeply into real what I call real herbs, in other words, not something that has been manufactured like an essential oil. Certainly, I am not um, asking you to use only what you can find and harvest and prepare yourself. Certainly, that's a lot of fun, and it's a lot easier than you probably think it is. But I'm all for herbal commerce. You work in a store, but there's a lot of herbal commerce, yes? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, and we do the People coming in all of the time and asking for herbs and being able to have a selection of herbs in a selection of forms. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. I'm so happy that I do live in a country where we have kept uh, legality at bay. And so we can share a variety of different herbs in a variety of different forms as well as make our own remedies should we wish to. What I'm talking about is that the remedies that you're selling, although they may have been made, um, aren't made in the same way that an essential oil is. A tincture is something you could actually do at home. Um, Even a powdered herb in a capsule is something you could do at home. You can get the herb and powder it and put it in a capsule. It's really easy to do. Um, And you can't make essential oils at home. And so the herbs we're going to be talking about as we talk about herbal antibiotics, are not all necessarily easily available, and we can't necessarily all easily get them. But I think it's worthwhile talking at least a little bit about all of the ones that Stephen Herod Booner covers in his book, Herbal Antibiotics, so that we can see 
how much herbal medicine has to offer us in our desire to stay healthy and to not die of infectious diseases. One of the things that's always fascinating to me is how people order things. And you could have had a book about herbal antibiotics, you know, in alphabetical order. Stephen Herod Booner has chosen to order these by the systemic antibiotics, the localized non-systemic antibiotics, and the synergists. He also has devoted to the first line of defense, strengthening the immune system, and resistant organisms, the diseases they cause, and how to treat them. So I do recommend his book, Herbal Antibiotics, Stephen Herod Booner, if you are really interested in this particular topic. I was quite interested to see that one of the systemics, the herbal systemics, that he chose was Artemisia. And it is Artemisia annua, the sweet Annie. There are about 400 different Artemisias. But he's chosen Artemisia annua because it contains the most artemisinin a potent antiparasitic. Just in the way that things happen, I received my issue of Women of China. And on the cover, it says... Chinese woman wins Nobel Prize for discovering artemisinin. And there is a picture of a quite elderly Chinese woman sitting at a piano. And in the article, there's another picture of her holding up her prize. And her name is Tu Yu and she's devoted more than 40 years of her life to medical research. She won the prize for discovering artemisinin, also known as Qing Hao Su in Chinese, and the related dihydroartemisinin. Tu's father paid much attention to her education. She attended a private primary school when she was six and was admitted to the Department of Pharmacology at the Peking University where she studied pharmacognosy, which is the study of bioactive natural substances found in terrestrial and marine organisms, including plants, animals, and microbes. That's Pretty amazing major, isn't it? Oh, yeah. What's interesting is that most doctors, up until, I would say, oh, maybe as recently as 20 years ago, 
had to at least take a course in pharmacognosy, but I don't think they do anymore because I was called in um, to places to teach pharmacognosy. <clears throat> and it's it's quite fascinating, I think, the, to really step back and really look at how much actually comes from all of those things in our natural world, including plants, <clears throat> animals, and microbes. And that major was most unpopular at the time, too, says, when she's asked why she was studying pharmacognosy. <clears throat> Actually, there was another reason. In 1946, the year I was born, she was infected with tuberculosis and had to quit school. After two years of treatment, she finally recovered and returned to her studies. And as a result of her health crisis, she developed an interest in medical science. She worked at the Institute of Chinese Materia Medica under the Chinese Academy of Chinese Medical Science. Yes. And she now 85. Oh. I won the Nobel Prize at the age of 85. This tells me that one should keep working hard. It is never too late to succeed. Tu has dedicated virtually all of her adult life to scientific research. She took artemisinin in herself to test it. Her husband, Li Tsingzhao, was in southwest China's Yunnan province at the time that she was doing the work at the Chengjing People's Hospital, and so she sent her two daughters to live with their grandparents. The work was the top priority. I had to sacrifice my personal life to find out. Malaria is one of the most serious diseases of the world. 206 million people suffered from malaria in 2010, and almost three-quarters of a million people died from malaria that year. 86% of the people who die are children under the age of five. In 1967, China implemented a medical research project in an effort to find a cure for malaria. Two became head of the project's Chinese herbal medicine research team. Two found the key to beating the disease while she was reading ancient Chinese manuscripts. Tu and her team scoured numerous books about Chinese herbal medicine. In the Manual of Clinical Practice and Emergency Remedies, written in 340 by Ji Hong of the East Jin Dynasty, she learned that sweet wormwood, or queen hao in Chinese, was used to treat malaria. It was the earliest record of the use of sweet wormwood. The method was mentioned in other medical books, and then gives the dates, 960, 1270, 1370. Tu's <clears throat> team put sweet wormwood to the test. Finally, after much difficult work, they identified the active compound that attacked the malaria-causing parasites in the blood, and that later became known as artemisinin. The 
the significance of the Artemisian Inn discovery and the success of the Artemisian Inn derivatives lie in the drug's unique chemical structure and its antimalarial mechanisms of action, which is different from any known antimalarial drugs. This opens a new direction for the designing of future new antimalarial compounds. To date, the wide use of artemisinin-based drugs has significantly reduced malaria-related mortality across the world. Isn't that a wonderful story? Absolutely. And very interesting. And how it's interesting how these things come and go, like something's used for a while and then it's gone and it comes back. Because modern medicine is pretty good at cutting stuff out of you, right? They're pretty good at, you know, cutting something out of you. And I think sometimes that's why people have such an almost over-belief in anything they say, but lose some of these great old natural But for all that this is an 85-year-old woman on the cover of this magazine, she is in the arc of herbalism much closer to the white-coated technician than to the person naked rolling in the herbs. (laughs) Because she worked in a lab with a great many other people for years and years and years, patiently taking Artemisia annua apart, constituent after constituent after constituent, until they found the one constituent that was so effective against malaria. Again, Stephen says there are 400 species of Artemisia, but Artemisia annua contains the most Artemisinin. In other words, they all contain Artemisinin to a greater or lesser degree, but Sweet Annie, the annual wormwood, contains the most. Now, here's the deal. Sweet Annie is really easy to grow. It's about this easy. You walk out to your garden and say, Sweet Annie, and it grows. It tolerates dry soil, wet soil, sunny places. It's not so really happy if it's totally in the shade, but it'll take a little shade. This is one super easy plant to grow. I first heard about this, I would guess, as soon as her research was really out in scientific journals, which was probably in the the 70s or 80s, herbalists started to pick up on it. And herbalists who went to areas where the worm was malaria would take sweet Annie in capsules. And even a lot of people that I knew who really never used herbs in capsules said, this is much better than any of the anti-malarial drugs. And it's just too awkward to try to take it in any other way besides in capsules when you're traveling. So that's what I'm going to do. So there was already a kind of underground herbal, shall we say, trial going on with people saying, whoa, this really, really works. At the same time that you, all right, to you, you, was working in the laboratory to find artemisinin, the specific thing. Stephen says the whole herb has a much broader range of action than the isolated artemisinin. 
studies are few. Plant preparations differ from study to study. And so the outcomes are always contradictory. We can say, however, that there is a range of antibacterial activity across the Artemisias. But since studies often are not specific about the species that they are using and what bacteria they are testing it against, there is a tendency to extrapolate clinical use of the plant based on in vitro activity, that means in the laboratory or in glass, literally, in the Petri dish, and that is always a mistake. This problem certainly exists with golden seal. Golden seal is highly active against a number of bacterial organisms, but berberine, the strongest constituent, cannot make it across the gastrointestinal tract membrane in any quantity. So the plant is not a systemic antibacterial. It is effective only within the gastrointestinal tract. Artemisinin and some of the other antiparasitics in Artemisia are strongly systemic, but they are limited in their antibacterial activity. In fact, they are to be considered primarily antiparasitical for blood, liver, and as anti-tumor agents. And again, back to the point that you've made so many times here on our Tuesday night sessions. And we're here every Tuesday at 10, everyone. And and that is the synergistic effect that's lost, or at least I guess you were getting to that point, when it's not yeah. purely in its more natural form, right? When, when you're just extracting versus the, syn- the synergistic effect of the whole thing. Yeah. The effective dose for malaria is 500 to 1,000 milligrams of artemisinin the first day and 500 milligrams daily thereafter for two to four more days, which will completely clear the malarial parasite from the blood. However, at 400 milligrams, 39% of people get reinfected. And if you bring the dosage up to 800 milligrams, then only 3% of the people, malaria again. Chinese dosage runs from 500 milligrams to 1,500 milligrams for three days repeated in two weeks. All right, relapse is definitely smaller at higher doses. The artemisinin becomes less present in the blood the longer it is taken, so that by day seven, it is present at only 24% of its day one levels. Thus, the isolated constituent is not effective if taken for longer than seven days at a time for parasitical infections. Hmm. He uses artemisinin, the sweet annie, Artemisia annua, against a co-infection of Lyme disease called Babesia. And he says if it is not responded within the first couple of weeks, it's not going to respond. So a few things to keep in mind if you're going to prepare Artemisia annua for your own use. One, the fresh plant is the strongest. 
Two, whether fresh or dried, never boil the plant. Three, fat helps extract the active constituents. Four, the plant, while still potent for blood parasites, loses a lot of its antioxidant properties when dried. And last and fifth, the dosage and length of use are critical. Traditional Chinese texts, those ones that are thousands of years old, recommend preparation of the fresh herb infused in room temperature water and then pounded and wrung out to extract the plant juice as well. And indeed, this produces a most potent infusion of Artemisia annua. Many of the constituents in Artemisia are not soluble in water, however, including artemisinin. However, they are highly soluble in fat and alcohol. Fresh herb infusion for malaria. Place four ounces of fresh artemisia annual leaves and flowers. Cut into pieces in a container. Pour two cups hot water over it. Cover let stand for 12 hours. Wring it out. Drink it all. Do daily for seven days. Uh, let's see. Oh, he's got lots of properties here. I'm looking to see... Cedar for malaria, infusion in milk. Yes, I was wondering. This is often the way that we get from a herb that has constituents that are more soluble in fat than in water is to use milk or cream or butter with it. People already know about doing this with marijuana, that the active constituent in marijuana is more fat-soluble than water-soluble. And so he uses a quart of hot whole milk poured over 100 grams. That's a little over three ounces, about three and a half ounces of fresh herb and covered and then let stand for four hours. This extracts about 80% of the artemisinin in the herb using whole milk, whereas water extraction only extracts about 25%. So it's, it is exactly as you said, and really very, very well said, that it's the synergy of the many different constituents in the plant. But it's also the, the synergy of how do we get those constituents from the plants into our bodies. Just going and buying golden seal tincture doesn't mean that anti-infective qualities of golden seal are going to get into your blood. Just putting sweet annie under your pillow doesn't necessarily mean it will cure your infection. So this is part of, of the art of herbalism. And also, why we have drugs. The artemisinin can be replicated once we've actually found the constituent that does it. We can then look at it. We can determine its shape and its size. And we can make it ourselves. We can literally replicate that. And sometimes there are very good reasons for doing that. With Sweet Annie, 
those reasons are not actual things that like when somebody were making a drug from Pacific U and it looked like Pacific U was going to disappear. Eek! Right. But sweet Annie, it's not going to disappear. It's really easy to grow. And so I don't think that um, we needed to make artemisinin, and yet it's easier. It's easier to give to people. We don't have to ask people to cook it up in milk. We don't have to ask them to use some of their precious fuel to heat up the milk to cook the Artemisia, Artemisia annua in. But isn't it nice to know that when you look at that seed catalog, you can find seeds for Artemisia annua. Um, Johnny selected seeds for one. I know it has a lot of herbal seeds, but there are other places as well. And plant some in your garden this year and see if you can make a new friend. And if you don't do that, maybe you can make a friend of the wild Artemisia that's around you. The other 399 species. Artemisia vulgaris is the one that grows around me. And I like it as a good immune system tonic, a good immune system helper, um, made up as a vinegar from the little leaves to the fresh flowering tops of the plants. Very different tasting vinegars. And you can tell as the antibacterial qualities grow stronger and stronger in the plant as they get some more and more into flower. Artemisia tridentata, also known as sagebrush, um, probably fairly high in artemisinin because it has a very strong odor. And throughout the desert southwest, dozens of other types and varieties of artemisia, all with unique antibacterial antibiotic qualities, make a new friend. And once again, we have contrived to talk our half-hour Away. Gosh, we have. (laughs) (laughs) And I thank you so much for joining us again. You always bring something truly real because there's so much in both the regular medical world, the MD world, and even in the natural world that's all about making money. And I understand that everybody has to make money, but you always approach it in a way that's pure and real and, as you say, stuff that can grow right outside your backyard. You keep it to this, oftentimes the North American plants, and I also find that fascinating. You don't always have to go exotic all the time and go on to the next hipster plant. You know? <laughs> and uh, so much. Actually, great. in Artemisia annua, it grows all over the world, mm-hmm. right from China to California. Not to in exotic York, to anyone. <laughs> Everybody has access to Artemisia. And Artemis was the goddess of the herbalist. The and goddess who, who runs wild with her hounds in the forest. Huh? The goddess of the moon. And she had a bow too, right? A bow and arrow. Yes, a bow and arrow, Artemis. exactly. And sometimes she's shown with her bow being the, the crescent moon very beautifully depicted. Yeah. It's one of the pictures on this is a... It's probably a Diana, to be honest. <laughs> on Diana. the show page. But I, I can think of it as Artemis. And Kellyanna wrote a beautiful song with Artemis, Guide My Arrow True. It was a very pretty song. There you song. go. I mean, Artemis is the Greek version, Diana the Roman version. So it's not really. Exactly. Much. There you go. <laughs> potato, <laughs> potato, right? <laughs> All right, then. Until next week, green blessings, everyone. Thank you so much. 
All right. Thank you so much, Susan. And again, always a blessing. And I'm so glad to have you here on the Main Street Universe Radio Network. And should we continue this? Should this be a continuation? Should this be a three-parter? about? So, herbal I, think, I think until further notice, we're just going to keep on talking about herbal antibiotics. That's nice. That's good. It's like a series. Okay. All right. That's good. I like That's that. That's good. Um, right. We'll keep going. Thank you, everyone. You're listening to Magic Green Medicine with Susan Weed, the renowned herbalist. I'm Daniel Michael, founder co-creator of Nation Universe Radio Network. And join us every Tuesday at 10 p.m. And as well as we have Wendy Rule coming up on the 17th, my sister's birthday. We're both Aquarius. And Wendy will be here February 17th. So Wendy Rule will be joining us, and Janet Farrar will be joining us in May, as well with uh, Gavin. Thank you all, and have a great evening. And remember that herbal medicine is people medicine. As Susan likes to say, the kind that grows right out your back door. Forbidden archaeology, forgotten history, divination, magic, Cryptozoology, UFOs, nature, science, and spirit. All this and more right here on the Main Street Universe Radio Network. Blessed are 